All right, let's talk about this because your organization, the Mississippi Center for Public Policy, has a five-point plan on what the capital city needs to cut down homicide rates. Now, we know most of uh, of, uh, of what the has been put out there before us, but I'm really interested, and let's take them one at a time, on what your – is it differ from – what has been in the news before, or let's let's go over those. Well, I, I think the first thing to say is, I think we need to acknowledge that homicide in Jackson is is appalling. It, it is the highest rate in the United States, mm-hmm. and I think we should just pause and reflect on that. We've got a higher murder rate in Jackson, Mississippi, than Chicago or Atlanta. Um, I, I think that's the first thing. The we're, second, we're talking th- about based on population, by the way, because if somebody's yeah. comparing numbers, yeah. they differ. Yeah, there were roughly 150 homicides in Jackson, Mississippi in 2021, roughly 150 homicides in Atlanta, Georgia. The problem is there are four times as many people in Atlanta, Georgia. So we've got a much higher per capita murder rate here than 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 Atlanta. Um, I think so. Recognizing how bad the problem is, is step number one. Step number two, I think we need to recognize there's nothing inevitable about this. New York in the early 1980s had sky-high homicide rates, and they brought them down. It's a public policy failure. It's not inevitable that Jackson has to be the murder capital of the United States. It's bad public policy. So what do we need to get right? It's, And it's there's nothing particularly original in what we're saying because there's nothing particularly original in tackling homicide. What you need is a criminal justice system that delivers that is good to the good people and goes after the bad and i think there are five basic things that we need to do and the first is 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 more police there just aren't enough police in in jackson now Mm -hmm. i'm I'm very pleased to hear that um the capital police um because of intervention from from the 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 speaker and the and the governor we're going to have i think an extra 37 capital police um, but we do need more police in Jackson, and that is step number one. All right, let, let me stop you there and just ask you, <clears throat> because when we talk about geographical era, area, that's not a lot of the city of Jackson. That that comprises okay. just, uh, I'm not even sure how many square miles that would be. We're talking about in and around the capital complex, are we I, not? I'd be surprised if it's more than a square mile, to be, to be honest. Yeah, it's so a very I mean, small that, area. Yeah. That sounds like a big deal, and, and for that area, it, it may drop uh, the... Uh, the rates of incidences, but it's not certainly going to help that state uh, yeah. uh, through the entire population, uh, the entire uh, city of Jackson. You're, you're right. We need more police throughout Hines County, not just the capital. But it's 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 a step in the right direction, and I I don't think we should criticise the mm-hmm. people for, for for doing this. Another another thought might be to extend the um, jurisdiction of the capital police, so it's not merely the few hundred yards around the capital, but um, much of downtown Jackson. I think that that's something that, that, that we could look into. But All right, number you... one, more police. That would be yeah. on my list, too. That would be number yeah. one on my list, more police on the streets. Yeah. Go. Number two, prosecuting. The police mm-hmm. officers I've spoken to are demoralized because no matter how good they are at chasing the criminals through the streets, if you don't prosecute properly and chase them through the courts, it, why, why do the police bother? Everyone, well, a, a huge number of people I've spoken to have, have told me examples where the bad guys were let out. The bad guys weren't prosecuted. So we need a very aggressive um, public prosecutor. It's no coincidence that in New York, the guy who fixed their crime started as uh, a, a DA, Rudy Giuliani. Um, right. it, it begins right. with prosecution. 
um, and we need to get that right. And that's that's that's. Well, key. would you would you add the bail system to that? Because uh, I'm not sure how it. it in, in some states. Well, in New York, they've become so liberal, and California, yep. this, uh, it's broken out. This is a big part of prosecution: the bail system. You 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 can't. Um, have a bail system that that basically deters mm-hmm. um, the, the purpose of bail is not to give the bad guys a free pass and too often that's what it's become um, and there's very little data available to allow us to see how many people are just skipping court and, and not attending court at all um, and I, I fear that the, the, the rules as they're interpreted on bail are a big part of the problem um, the other issue that I think we, we, we desperately um, need to address is detention facilities because we're sometimes told that there isn't sufficient detention capacity to detain mm-hmm. the bad guys. Well, build more detention capacity. It's not as if there's a shortage of uh, space where you could build detention capacity in downtown Jackson. It seems just an excuse rather than a reason. Um, so we need to have the detention capability. Um, the fourth thing, and I think... To me, in a way, this is perhaps the most important. Clear the courts. If you have a bureaucratic backlog in the courts, and there's no point in people still going on about COVID, um, if the courts aren't being administered by people who are competent, bring in competent administrators. We've got to clear the bureaucratic backlog in the courts. And it's, it's very encouraging that the Supreme Court has recently appointed judges to go in and do precisely that, to clear this yeah. backlog. This is absolutely key to an effective criminal justice system. And I, I think the fifth thing, and many of the one, two, three, and four point in this direction. The city authorities need to swallow their pride and be prepared to work with state authorities because I I get that a city wants to make its own decisions. We all understand that. But this is our capital city. It's being overwhelmed by a murder rate that is off the scale. And I think they need to draw on the support and the goodwill of state officials who can come in alongside them and provide them with the resources and the know-how to fix the prosecution and the police. And well, I the agree detention. with you, Douglas. But I mean, the the reality from a native Mississippian here, not not I'm just vetting here a little bit. The the people who are being elected is a reflection of their voters. They don't give a damn. They they don't put a lot of thought into it. Uh, and I'm saying the majority of them, I don't think they put a lot of thought into the people they're. Uh, they are electing the same ones to get the same response over and over. And for a vast majority of people inside of Jackson, black and white and brown, who care, and outside of Jackson, who care about their capital city, we are frustrated. I, I think a lot of people in Jackson, whatever their background and however they vote, are affected by crime. They may not be directly impacted, but indirectly they are. Events get cancelled. Well, sure fear. they are, but they don't vote like that. Well, it's true that at the last election, the incumbent got re-elected, um, and I'm not here to judge whether that was right or wrong, but I, I, I you know, change well, you will come. We'll, we'll continue this on the other side. Re- you really don't have to judge. I think the statistics show it. There will be uh, no 2022 edition of the Jackson Black Rodeo. Real Cowboy Association President uh, Jerry Edwards announced on Facebook the 19th annual Jackson Black Rodeo is canceled. It was a source of pride for a a lot of kids out there, and they enjoyed it. Mississippi Department of Agriculture spokeswoman said, we've confirmed the promoters cancel the event. There was no issue by the fairgrounds in regards to tailgating or on-site camping by rodeo participants. 
There are some common elements to events on the fairgrounds. The fairgrounds did seek to limit tailgating and on-site camping by non-participants who the promoter said were not part of the event. So apparently the uh, people who enjoy that rodeo will not get a chance to have it this time around. More with Douglas Carson. Housing Lender back with our guest. Uh, the President and CEO of Mississippi Center for Public Policy, Douglas Carswell. We're, we're talking about some of the five points they are recommending at his uh, a nonprofit organization to control uh, crime in the capital city area. Uh, the press conference was last Wednesday. Governor Tate Reeves announced some key hirings to the Department of Public Safety's leadership team. He said that the three new hires will be key players in preserving the security of our state's people and the security of our state. He announced last week three men were added to the DPS leadership team. I'm not sure exactly what the functions are going to be, but uh, we'll talk more about that later. Major Charles Haynes as the new director of the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation. Bo Lucky. Bo is the new chief of police at the Capitol, uh, for the Capitol Police. And Joshua Shipp. Uh, Mr. Shipp is the new assistant chief for the Capitol Police. Your thoughts on that one? I think it's great. I think it's really good that mm -hmm. there are new hires, but I think this all points to the need for the city authorities to the, to the city leadership to work with the state leadership. Um, it's no coincidence, I think, that it's uh, you know, the the initiative is coming from from the governor, and I I, I think we need to you know that. We, we need a city leadership that's prepared to work with state organizations um, to do this. You know, it is disheartening, and I understand what you're talking about, but it is disheartening to understand, uh, regardless of what political party you are in, your job is to keep the people safe and to, uh, uh, whether you're the president of the United States of America or a mayor. And we have a history now that these two parties cannot work together uh, since the Republicans are in control in this country, in this state. And in uh, the city of Jackson, just do, does not want to do that. So I have no idea. You have to solve. I agree with you. You have to solve that before you can solve anything else. You know, you can probably tell by my accent that I'm a relatively new arrival to the city. No, um, I just thought you were from northern Mississippi. <laughs> but w as an outsider coming, to, and you know, my home is Jackson. I live here. I, I work here. Mm -hmm. As as an outsider coming to Jackson, what shocks me is not the homicide rate in Jackson. What shocks me is the attitude to officials who are responsible for tackling the homicide rate. Um, we, we, we hear endless excuses. We still hear excuses about the homicide rate based on COVID. Now, I have no doubt that there was an increase in the murder rate in Jackson during the pandemic. But as far as I know, the virus didn't make people more violent. So that's just an, a non-excuse. No. Um, we, we need, I think, you know, to recognize that Precisely because we are now the murder capital of the United States, we need to be prepared to swallow our pride and and act and act. With, you know, homicide is not a major problem in most of Mississippi. It is a Jackson-specific problem. So the authorities in yeah, Jackson uh, but, need to be prepared. But again, to let me say this though: I, if and uh, we cover everything in the state, and and. and for my people listening there in the family in Corinth or Ekru or Ocean Springs or Natchez, wherever it happens to be, it does affect us because they've got, during the legislative session, they have uh, friends and family who are going to be here to take care of business. Uh, all through the year, there are so many different meetings, so many different agencies. If you are 
<clears throat> if you are involved in state government in any way, you've got your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your daughter, son coming to Jackson, and it worries them. Yep. So there is nowhere in the state that is, and I mean, it can be 2 o'clock in the afternoon. The least that could happen, you get your car stolen. The worst is you wind up in a morgue. Press conference uh, or no press conference, I mean, we we need to find out how, how we can get this thing done. Yep, absolutely. It does affect us all. Being our state capital, it's, it's not good enough that we are known for having the murder capital of the United States as our state capital. But... You know, we, we can turn this around. Um, we shouldn't despair and we shouldn't make the mistake of thinking this is inevitable. Mm -hmm. New York in the 1980s faced extraordinary high homicide rates. And New York fixed the problem because it was prepared to bring in DAs like Giuliani and others who, who tried some of these five basic things, more prosecution, more police, tougher prosecution, clearing the courts, administering justice swiftly and quickly, not using bail as a free pass for the bad guys. Mm -hmm. These are the sorts of common sense changes that have been tried and found to work. What, what I think we also need to accept is that so, some people would criticize what we're proposing as being only reactive proposals. I actually think what we need to recognize is these are proactive proposals because if you have a criminal justice system that does these five things, it takes the bad guys off the streets. It takes them out of circulation. It, it pre prevents future crime. So it's not just a, a question of yep. being yep. good at dealing with people who've done wrong. In doing so, it prevents future wrongdoing. And this is a key thing that we need here in Jackson now. I always say this, in, in reality, of course, you can't go and, and uh, run this thing backwards, but the clock, when, when somebody is, is, is brought in for shooting somebody, uh, you know that they are a bad guy or a bad gal, the clock is ticking. Somebody, innocent person, who may be in a different part of the state is going to have something happen. Some, they, they're, they're, they're coming to Jackson to do it one way or the other or regardless of the state of Mississippi, when, when, when they're not taken off the street, the clock's ticking, yep. and they're going to wind up uh, in a bad way. Uh, I'm, and the other thing, too, and I agree with you on this one, and our guest is Douglas Carswell. Douglas, I agree that uh, this is not something that cannot be fixed, but therein lies the frustration that it is fixable, but we just don't have the will nor the intelligence or maybe one or the other to do this. When, when you have hope of rehab, rehabilitation for someone who gets in trouble, when that hope that rehab or the ability to, to be rehabilitated to a, a good citizen is gone, there's nothing you can do, then we're in a bad way. And also when that, when that demo becomes younger and younger, when you look at getting a 14-year-old kid and you say, is there any way to turn that life into a life of uh, without crime. And, and when you almost throw your hands up. And I think we're beyond that in some cases where we got to stop talking about rehab and midnight basketball. Yeah. But one of the things that is not on your list is the well, you did put the court system, you did have more police. But I, I think we need to have more presence uh, with that more police, road stops, roadblocks, uh, license checks, whatever it happens to be. We've got to find a way to get these guns off, uh, off of these people. One thing I think we need to do is avoid getting into a detailed conversation about rehabilitation and mm -hmm. reform of the criminal justice system. Before we talk about reforming the criminal justice system, let's just have some criminal justice. 
it's tempting to think that rehabilitation is the answer, but I, I don't think I think it's premature to have that sort of conversation. Um, the idea that one more rehabilitation program or signing another bill that will supposedly help ex-offenders is the answer. I, I, I'm afraid that's wishful thinking, and I think wishful thinking when it comes to crime means we don't actually reduce crime. Mm -hmm. we, 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 we should stop thinking about reforming the criminal justice system and try to actually have an effective criminal justice system, one that pursues the bad guys through the streets effectively, chases them through the courts aggressively, and um, one which does so quickly without using bail and all sorts of yeah. bureaucratic incompetence as a, as a means of letting the bad guys off. Don't let's get into a conversation about reducing um, offender rates. Let's let's actually see this from the point of view of the ordinary citizen, not from the uh, professional um, criminal justice bureaucrats. Because the things that are requiring cultural changes are not going to happen overnight. If we're waiting for cultural changes, we're going to have this problem for 20 or 30 more years, and it's going to get worse every single year. Kids with guns, felons with guns, no parental control out there to speak of, no fear of consequences more so now than ever before. A lot of this is cultural. Gang activity that's taken the place of a father in the home, those are cultural, and I agree with you. We're going to have to change that. Douglas, always good talking to you, Wonderful. sir. Appreciate Thank you, you coming so much. in. Thank you. You got it. President and CEO, Mississippi Center for Public Policy. Twitter, at MS Policy, and also at Douglas.